Welcome to episode three of Blue Collar Startup. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. We're sitting here with Devin Camengay from Camengay Construction. Where are you located, Adam? Uh, I'm located in Troy. Troy. Troy, New York. For those of you listening outside of the Capital Region, if we have listeners outside of the Capital Region, we hope to have listeners. That's my big joke right sure, now. Sure, you're bound to have one or two, one right? One or two. You know, right now it's my mom, Derek's mom, uh, probably our significant right. other. You know what? My whole family lives outside of the Capital District. So Perfect. I mean, you've probably got We're gonna have a listeners. good 1,500 unrelated to everybody in <laughs> Shenango County. Shenango County. Shenango? Shenango County. Yeah, Madison County. At Seago County, Herkimer County, they all come to a point okay, somewhere else. So there. Uh, I have family in Green, New York. Yeah. Uh, my so, fiance is from Bainbridge. Uh, that's all Chenango. Yeah, it's, it's out by me. Yeah. Green is what, a town or two over, right? You have to go through Norwich and then yeah. Oxford and then yeah. Green. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot, lot of green out there. A lot of green out there. Uh, Yes, there is. I actually love it down there. We've been, I've been thinking about, thinking about. We've been talking about trying to find a little, uh, little house down there so we can have a place to scoot out to to be closer to family. Because uh, again, because her, her whole family's down there, a bunch of my family's down there, uh, and I really do just love that area, man. It's really yeah. I, I, it's kind of like the I call it the Central New York Triangle, right? You got okay. you got uh, Syracuse. And you've got Utica, and you've got Binghamton, yeah. and you're in, in like that no man's land of, of nothing out there, yeah. you know, except for you know, Sherburne, home of the Pageant of Bands, right? <laughs> or you got <laughs> Colgate College, which is you know just a little rinky-dink town. Yep, yep, that's great. That's fine. That's what we were talking earlier, and you're saying Sherburne. I'm like, wait a minute, I know what that is. You ever get over to the Outpost? The Outpost? No, that's in Oxford. I believe, which is another one of those. The only time I went to Oxford was when we played against them in football or okay. basketball. That, that was it. All right. That's fair. Great little, great little area, though. We love it out there. <clears throat> so anyway, now that we've got that going on, so tell us a little bit about Cam and Gate Construction, about uh, you know what you do, what kind of construction that you're doing, and uh, and kind of how you got started. Sure. Uh, my my business, we do just about everything. Um, you know, a lot of remodels. Lately, it's been endless bathroom remodels. Uh, I think last year I did nine on top of, you know, decks, kitchens, so on and so forth. So um, the, the nice thing that's a little bit unique about what I do is, is I don't tend to use subcontractors. Mm-hmm. So when we do a remodel, um, I'm doing all the plumbing, all the electrical, you know, and I have third-party inspections and stuff like that. So um, they're, they're really isn't too much that I don't do. I mean, I started doing windows and door replacements. Um, geez, I even built birdhouses, I remember, for a while. Uh, I don't do a lot of roofs anymore. I don't, I don't need to get up on there. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm doing an addition or I'm building a house, then obviously I, I do the roof. Um, but there, I taught myself plaster work. I've done some masonry stuff. Um, you know, so there, there's really all aspects of construction, whether it's framing to finish work. Yeah. So, is that your slogan? From framing to finish work, uh, Cam no. and Gay Construction. No. Uh, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not important enough to have a slogan ah, yet. <laughs> all right, that's fair. All right. my, my kids try to Me come either. up with a bunch of cheese ball ones. Yeah. But, uh, 
write you a jingle. Yeah. You know, so get it on the radio. <laughs> what, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because when you, we were just talking about this, or when you were just saying, I should say, is that it, it made me think about the fact of, you know, you said you did nine bathrooms, assorted other projects, decks, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Would, would you say, what's, what's life like right now as a contractor compared to what it was like, say, five years ago? So, and I, and I asked that question looking for an answer or looking for you to tell me about if you're seeing uh, an increase in demand. Because I feel like five, six, seven years ago, contractors were left, right, and center. They were everywhere. Like, I, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't walk down the street without stumbling across a couple of contractors. Now, I feel like, I mean, I can't, I, I've got a buddy that's a contractor. If I could get him here next year, I'd be lucky. Right. Uh, I, I, have you have you been seeing that? Is that is that something that you see with your business? Tell me a little bit about the difference between now and and years ago. Let's say. Yeah, I I think I think there's a lot of flyby contractors, um, or maybe guys that do it part time, or girls that do it part time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's seems to be kind of a void. Um, or a limited supply of guys like myself, where you know, I'm kind of smaller, right? I'm not a huge, you know, construction business, um, but I'm not a super small guy too that just does it on the weekends or right, right. one. So I think it's in in the midst of COVID and trying to get materials. It, it's it's a challenging time right now, um, but having a limited supply of qualified or skilled contractors, I, th- I think is certainly an issue. Um, and I have, my phone won't stop blowing up in the last two weeks, right? Everyone's gearing up. Oh, you know, the weather starts to change. People oh, yeah. want to start calling contractors to do projects. Um, but you know, unfortunately, I'm already booked up. <laughs> right. You know, so, I mean, I, I started booking jobs for next year already. Yeah. And it, it blows my mind that people are willing to wait that long, but. It's, it seems to be um, a continuous conversation about I, I can't get a hold of anybody or nobody calls me back or I just can't find someone um, to do it. So I know and, that's what we've been saying. Right, yeah. and, when, and when they find someone, especially uh, all my advertisement stuff is done through word of mouth. And so when they have someone who, who says, you, you, this uh, you know, can get construction is worth the wait, then whatever date I give them or say, geez, I'm really sorry, I'm not available till, you know, several months. And they're like, okay, put us in the book, pencil us in, you know, and then we'll come look at the project. Um, so I think with, with a limited supply of skilled workers and there is a huge demand for people upgrading. And, and that kind of goes hand in hand with the market too, right? Mm-hmm. The housing market is still booming out crazy, here. We're yeah. going on what two and a half years now. Um, it's been super high, so uh, so you have people preparing to sell their home, so they need to either upgrade or you know fix little things, or you have people who are purchased a home and they need to a complete remodel um, or to freshen up. So uh, there's there's tons of work out there. Yeah, it's. Uh... I know that, like, as I, you know, before we were talking, we've got the small farm out in Greenfield, and, you know, there's always projects that need to get done, and, and some stuff I can do, and but other stuff, you know, I'm, I've, if I'm good at anything, it's knowing when uh, I don't have the skills to do something, and I need to call yeah, in that's, somebody else. That's, that's a valuable skill I know, right I there. think so, too. I think so, too. Uh, you know, how many, I can't say how many advertisements I've seen over the years where it says, you know, something along the lines, like, you know, we'll fix what your, what your husband tried to fix, or, you know. <laughs> so I always try to know, uh, know my limitations, which, 
So there's a lot of things, especially when it comes to roofing and, and, and masonry and things like that. I can do some carpentry stuff. And if I'm working on a barn, you know, it's not a big deal if it's not perfect. It's the barn. It's a lot different than trying to do finish work inside the house. But, uh, you know, we've, we've got all these projects and all these things we want to do around the farm. And uh, just trying to find somebody to do those things is like, like I have a, a friend of mine who is an amazing contractor. And like I said, you know, like I, we couldn't get him in 2022. Like it's just not gonna happen. He's right. like, I'm, he's like, I am literally booked out until 2023. And, yeah. And it's March. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like good, for, I, good for him, right? You know, yeah. I just, it's just, and it's just an amazing thing to me about the the supply shortage of skilled tradesmen and women and uh, or skilled labor, however, whatever words we want to use, right? Um, and being able to find it, man, it just blows my mind. So I was just wondering how you've seen that. But again, same guy, my good friend, who's a contractor, like. Five six years ago, I could have got them any day of the week. Sure, right. <laughs> you know, like it was right. just like we're we're just driving around, you know. We're we're sitting at the booth at Stewart's <laughs> waiting for somebody to say, "Oh, I gotta paint my room," and hey, hey, here's yeah. my card. You yeah. know, I, I could be there at five o'clock. <laughs> yeah, it's just so it's just a really interesting phenomenon to to see the difference in just like maybe that five or six years has brought in the blue collar industries because I don't think it's relegated to just contracting. No, no, it's not. I really think it's all across the board with skilled labor is that there's just such a shortage of people that can do a good job. I do notice that we've been able to find people like, like right now, if I talk to someone who is in some sort of blue collar field and I'm like, you know, do you think you could come up? Oh yeah, I got plenty of time. I'm like, all right, these guys, either they're brand new or they just are not very good. <laughs> no one wants to hire them. That's why they're open. Um, yeah, yeah, even right. It's not limited just to um, contractors, yeah. right? Uh, we were talking about this earlier, right? Mechanic, diesel mechanics. Yeah. Um, I know there's a shortage for electricians, not so much for union electricians, but for people who want to do residential stuff. Yeah. Um, so, and there's a huge demand for that. But it can't be just any Joe Schmo. I'll, I'll figure it out as we go. Right, uh, right. So that, that you can't do that either. Um, I think plumbing is the same way. Although the new equipment and tools they've come out with and products, it's so it's so easy to be to be a plumber now. Well, you don't have to sweat pipes anymore, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you don't day, have to. <laughs> Certain things you should. That's right, the difference. Right. That knowing what you should sweat and what you should not sweat. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, I guess uh, a positive little glimpse, right? I just had to replace the boiler in my house. Oh, yeah. And um, all the technicians that came in to install new boilers, they, they were all young kids. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm not a young guy anymore. <laughs> you know, so everybody, I call everybody a kid. But, yeah. I mean, these are these are uh, people just coming out of college. You know, they're, they're 25, 26 years old. And they're, I mean, they have the title of the technician. And... Um, and they're there, so I think I'd like to think that maybe we're starting to see some transition to people moving towards that. Whether it's because all these other fields are flooded or, or what, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do see glimpses of of that, but I mean, you don't see too many 16, 17, 18 year olds on top stripping shingles on roofs and you know putting up siding and stuff anymore. No, not like when I was a kid. I felt like you, that's what you did. Now, uh, well, you didn't have a choice. Kids have choices nowadays. I think we were talking about before, you know, like we have all these opportunities to do stuff around the house and um, it's uh, around the property, I should say, and, and getting the kids involved is like, you know, most they just they want to play video games and, you know, 
every once in a while I get my son out in the barn with me doing a project, but he's just like, they're given the choice. Sure. They're not out there. Sure. When I was a kid, I wanted to be out doing the projects with my with my dad and my uncles, and you know they wouldn't weren't let me until I got older. I remember being like eight nine years old, and be like yeah, I'll come help, and they're like no no no, you're not old enough yet. Oh, I I mean we didn't have that luxury. <laughs> my, <laughs> yeah. So my my father the first time I, I really uh, was kind of put on my own for doing any type of construction thing. I was nine years old. No kidding. My father bought me a satchel. Or my wife says you have to call it a tool belt, it's a not tool satchel. Belt. But she, he bought me a tool belt with a hammer, a tape, and a square. Right? That's awesome. And we were doing the roof on the garage. And uh, so it was me and my older brother. And my, gran- my grandfather was on the other side. He snapped the line for me. And he goes, okay, I want you to start putting shingles up on here. And I'm like looking around for somebody to, to tell me what to do. And he's like, you're going to follow this line? And he goes, I'll, I'll be back in like 30 minutes and see how you're doing. And so I was nine. Put me on a roof in our garage, starting to lay shingles down. That's pretty sweet, man. Yeah. And uh, I have the the same tool belt. I still wear the same (laughs) tool belt. I got the same hammer, everything. Well, what brand is the tool belt? Because something that's going to hold up that many years, that's uh, that's quality. I I don't, I remember, (laughs) and he was so proud. My father was so proud of getting this because it's all leather and, um, you know, all this stuff. But it's the same, it's the same tool belt that, it's the only one I've ever had. And um, yeah, I, I remember that vividly. And you know, of course, the last thing in, in my true father fashion, he'd be like, "Don't, you know, f it up." You know? Right, right, <laughs> right. As any good father should yeah, say. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I know we're you know we're kind of jump around in order of uh, how we how I meant to bring you through this, but a lot of a lot of good stuff. Uh, tell me a little bit more about your business. So is it, and I, I know you kind of touched about it, is it just you? You got a couple guys that work for you? Is it- so the majority of the time, it's just me. However, when I have larger projects, I'll hire part-timers to come in, uh, whether it's tipping walls, putting up rafters, um, or if I got concrete work, you know, I, I'll typically hire out for that. Um, Lately, I'm not an old man, but uh, I'm start. There are certain things I just can't do by myself anymore. I think the the long term goal for me is I would really like to find an apprentice and someone who's uh, youthful minded in knowing what they don't know, yeah, and willing to learn to kind of eventually whether they run their own sites. They go off on their own business. It, it doesn't matter to me, but there are certain things that um, I can't do by myself. Sure. And I'm more than happy or willing to, to train somebody when that when that time comes. So I, I'm I'm hoping that probably it's going to be by next year. I'm going to have to do something. Um, and my client list is is pretty big now, and the jobs stack up. So sure. And I'm not interested in you know. Hire my, my buddy who is a mechanic. He owns a garage in downtown Troy. He's like, you gotta, you gotta get uh, some employees. You know, you start doing that, and you're just running around. I'm not too interested in that right mm-hmm. now, uh, just because I don't, I don't want to hustle. Sure. You know, I don't want to hustle for work to keep people employed. Um, I really like what I do. I take pride in what I do, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot less pressure uh, now than in my previous, you know, profession. So. Um, I like where I'm at, but I also, the long-term goal is probably to expand a little bit, um, just just so I can, 
you know, uh, continue to do the projects that I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, a nice little segue into, tell us a story about how you even got into this. So, uh, you know, I know because we talked about it, you, you were an educator, administrator, uh, and then made the, made the switch from that into uh, the construction stuff. So give us, you know, tell us a story about how, where you were and what you're doing and kind of what was the catalyst for change and, you know, why you came into construction as, a, as your career and left what you are doing previously. So I was an education major in college, and when I graduated, I went right into you know the workforce as an educator. Um, started off teaching third grade, so nice. um, which I loved. Uh, elementary education was my passion, and then I ventured into fifth grade, sixth grade education. So I was an educator for 13 years, and that morphed into administration. Um, I I always worked at the same school. I uh, loved, absolutely loved the, the parents and the people that are there, so it kind of, um, it, it was close to home for me, you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I morphed into the administration role, and uh, I did construction work on the side mm-hmm. when, I was, um, when I was a teacher, only to help subsidize my income. Uh, it was private school education, so uh, their you know salaries are not on the same scale as you know public sector, and you know I got I got lucky with kind of a big contract and a big project, and so that was uh, one of the reasons why I kind of transitioned into doing construction full time. Uh, I've been doing construction for 13 years, um, so th- this was a good. A good way to jump into that. I always thought, oh, I would I would go into being a contractor full time many many years ago. Mm-hmm. Now whether I didn't have the mindset, the heart for it, or or whatever, um, or it really boiled down to it just being too scared to go out on my own. And um, but this was a, a a nice jump or a boost in leaving education, going into. Um, my own business, knowing that I would be okay for a little while, just because I, I had this this guaranteed contractor project for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a scary thing. I think over the years, I've talked to a lot of people looking to make that transition, uh, or are or have are like, hey, I'm doing this. They've made sometimes they lost their job, and so they're gonna they're like, screw it, I'm just, I'm gonna do this thing, and it's a it's a scary leap. It sure is, because you you don't know. I mean, you, now you're in charge of your own pension, right? Um, you just don't know where the money's going to come from. What happens if you don't have a job the next month? Mm-hmm. Things like that. So there's there's a lot of things that, that kind of tug at you that make you question or second guess. Oh, do, do I really want to you know, be my own business owner? Do I want to go work for myself? Um, so there's lots of things to think about. And to be honest with you, if it was, if it was truly that easy, everybody would do it. Everybody would do it, yeah. <laughs> And, and so let me ask you, when you, so you were, you had the comfort of that big job that you're doing, right? To mm-hmm. help you make that transition and to make, take some of that strain off of you. When that job started to come to an end, did you start to feel some of that angst or at that point had you just really started to line things up? No, uh, because the reason why is some of the clients that I'd worked for um, prior to that, I let them know that I was now doing construction full time so I was my work was no longer seasonal right so they didn't gotcha. have to book me over breaks or over vacation time mm-hmm. uh, or in the summer and that kind of 
you know, evolved into, oh, okay, yeah. So now that I know that, I'm looking to have, you know, some painting done or I want to redo my entranceway mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, I need some trim work or finish work. So I, I was actually lucky enough to line up a couple of clients right after that job concluded. And I think it was December, January, something like mm -hmm. that. And then I was able to roll right into a couple more projects that led up to a few months after that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I felt pretty confident that once I got started, just by word of mouth, you know, um, I, I would be I would be okay. Uh, but again, that not knowing was 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 challenging. Yeah, so, I mean, it's always there, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think you know, I learned at a young age how to communicate with people too. Plus, having an education background, you know, um, in administration, you run meetings and. Your reputation is everything when you're a business owner or mm -hmm. if you're self-employed, um, because if 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 you're not good with communication or with people in general, um, that kind of shows. So even if you're a, a great skilled worker, um, if you're not very good or effective at communication, um, there, you run the risk of not being successful. Mm -hmm. And. So just to kind of uh, to summarize it for anybody listening, what I hear you saying is you, as a side hustle, right, we're mm -hmm. doing contracting on the side, we're able to, by doing good work, great work, having a great reputation, built up a book of business over time that once the big job allowed you to make the changeover, you kind of had a book of business already built that you could kind of go back to while you were still building a new book. Because I know that... Again, that transition, a lot of people are looking at, how do I, how do I, I want to own my own business, I want to own my own contractor outfit, how do I make that transition? And, and it sounds like side hustle, do a good job so people want to work with you more, and then let them know what you're doing when you do make the job. Sure, yeah, and about. you have to, you have to know how to network too. Uh, I mean, I had the luxury of knowing a lot of people, whether it was through clients or through schools. Um, so, but if you're if you're an effective communicator, but you also enjoy being around people, that's a good that's a good segue or a way to get into mm -hmm. um, or expand your clientele. So, uh, in my line of work, your reputation is everything. So, if you not only do really good work, but you have a cup of coffee in the morning when they ask you, "Hey, do you want a cup of coffee?" Yes, I do. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, put out some strudel too, right? Yeah, and yeah. and uh, or you take the time to. You know, you talk about how their day was and stuff like that. So, I mean, not not to be a therapist, you don't do it yeah. because you have to. You do it because you want to. You know, um, but I can also work and and talk at the same time. Uh, that's probably a, a good skill to acquire <laughs> too. I know I have trouble. I, I sometimes just start doing a lot of talking. What uh, What do you think the biggest challenge that you you've seen so far since you made the jump? What's the biggest challenge you've come across? Uh, I think is coordinating time. Right, so um, when I when I first transitioned and, and, and started, you know, I was taking uh, these jobs, and then you know I would work that job during the day, and then I would take a night job, and then I would work on the weekends, and I was doing that solely to build clientele, and I also didn't want to be uh, like somebody would call and I'm saying no, I'm not available. Right, I didn't, I never wanted to lose a new potential customer or client, so. What was challenging for me is, you know, being a father of three, right, and a husband, and you know, having my own hobbies was finding that that happy medium between between yes, I have to work 
to provide for my family, but I also need to be with my family. Yeah. So, uh, and then running the risk of taking on too much work and you can't finish anything. Um, that's, that's also no good either for you or the clients. That's the, uh, the plight of the Adirondack contractor that I used to uh, hear <laughs> stories of. I don't know if you ever heard the term Adirondack contractor. So I, uh, I grew up in and around like Saranac Lake, Plattsburgh, New York Lake, you know, North Country Adirondacks. I still, my family has a camp up in uh, the Adirondacks. And I always hear uh, my mom and my grandmother would always be talking about the, the Adirondack carpenter. And that's the guy that took on too much work. Right. So, you know, so would just bounce around job to yeah. job to job to job because kept saying yes to too many things. And then it was just so overwhelmed that just like still wanted to do right by the client, but like wasn't going to a job working it until it's done and then leaving, right. but was going, you know, Monday bopped in to do a little, little wrench twisting. And then Tuesday was on another job site, pounding some nails. And then Wednesday was on another job, you know, and, and uh, that was always the, there's always a big joke about the Adirondack that contract. Yeah. So I, I, my wife has a good slogan. The only thing you should, uh, not have finished is the things that we start in our own house, okay. um, <laughs> which which catches up to you too, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I think now we see people that are unfinished or that have unfinished work. It's because they're they're more or less following the money. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. So some they'll be working on a project and something comes along and somebody says, "I, I have to have this done in two weeks and I'll pay you X amount of dollars." Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times you'll see contractors pack up and be like, I'll be back, I'll be back. And then they either don't come back or they'll be back whenever they feel like it. Yeah, I'm sure that doesn't, uh, I know if that happened to me, I, I wouldn't be calling you again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's, so it's, from a reputation standpoint, back to your point, that's... A year and a half ago, I, I got um, seven new clients and they were still having these clients, they're phenomenal clients, I, I do a bunch of work in their houses, but... Um, and the only reason why that kind of fell in my lap is because they all have had bad experiences with former contractors, whether they didn't finish the job or they didn't do it correctly, <clears throat> um, or you know, quite frankly, let's be honest, not in my line of work, you have some some contractors that whether they have problems with the law, they have mm-hmm. you know, substance abuse, things like that. So, um, you know, they, they've dealt with all those things. So, um, I, I just. You know, kind of took advantage of an opportunity and they all had their own circle network of sure. friends so and it just kind of branched out from there yeah yeah i know every time we have anything done and someone's like who'd you use everybody wants to who you right right Good contractors hard to find yeah well now now i go so they don't they don't give out my name because they want stuff done yeah <laughs> uh all right well we're gonna take a we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back all right this episode of Blue Collar Startup is brought to you by Cam and Gay Construction, Spa City Digital Marketing, and DCS Franchises. And now back to our episode. So we're back from that brief sponsored commercial break. I don't know. We've yeah, I got, a quick, <laughs> I got a quick snooze in, right? <laughs> so, uh, and actually, and you were just saying, so let's, let's talk about it again. So I, I think one of the, the important things... You know, everybody needs to find or to acquire or to uh, fall into having some sort of mentor, right? Mm-hmm. I know Derek feels the same way, and, and you were just kind of giving us this. So, uh, mentors that kind of helped you along the way, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I, 
my I come from a long line family of contractors, right? My grandfather was a contractor, uh, built log cabins. Um, my father was kind of a side contractor, but he grew up with it and he did it on the side and then uh, started his own business on the side uh, of contracting. My uncle, uh, LC Construction out in Edmiston, New York. Um, so these, these are all valuable people that I can reach out to when I have a question or a situation that I haven't seen before. Uh, it's, it's truly invaluable to um, have, whether it's a mentor or somebody to go to when you have a question, right? Um, so although today you can use YouTube and look up anything, sure. but it's not always how do you do this product, it's what's the best way to um, spend your disposable income for new tools. What's uh, you know what what are some some smart accounting principles, things like that. So mm -hmm. and my uncle did all of that stuff on the side. My father did too. So when you own a business, it's not just about how much money you can make and um, you know how many employees you can have and how fast you can grow. You got to be smart about. Um, your finances. Yeah. Yeah, running a business, finances are a big part of it. I know it's always been my weak weak point in business has always been the finance side. I'm, I'm pretty good on operations. I'm great at sales and marketing. Finance is always my... So my first move in any venture has always been hire a bookkeeper. Get someone on board that can help me keep my, uh, my I's dotted, yeah. my T's crossed, and my bills paid. Because otherwise I'm just like, eh, throw it on the pile, you know, and... Uh, Play to your strengths. <laughs> right. Well, and that goes back to, to what we said earlier. If, if you know that that's not one of your strengths, then mm -hmm. you need to have somebody take that over. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what, uh, and, I, and I think I kind of know the answer to this, but what would you say the secret to your success has been? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think there's anything special about me or what I do. Uh, I, I think... One of my strengths is being a motivated worker. I look forward to going to work every day, but also effectively communicating with with people and clients. Right when when you get an email or uh, somebody calls you about a job, you need to make the effort to to return the call mm -hmm. um, or reach out to them. So I I, I, don't know, I guess you what makes me successful is being an effective communicator. You know, and being a people person and, and want to do uh, a good job for the individuals before I move on to the next one. Nice. Uh, so let's talk a, a little specifically about blue collar, right? So, uh, you know, I, Derek and I keep talking about the fact that we can't figure out if it's just because we launched this podcast or because it's all happening at the same time, but I can't scroll Facebook, pick up a newspaper. I can't go anywhere or do anything without... What's a newspaper? I know. <laughs> Chad Prince newspapers. Uh, so, you know, um, but I really, like, everywhere I turn, I, I just keep seeing blue-collar, 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 whether it's, you know, an article about the number of blue-collar jobs that are out there or talking about the fact that the blue-collar industries are so in demand right now uh, or people talking about the fact, like, hey, if we do not increase our blue collar workforce in the next five to 10 years, we're gonna be in for a major, major problem uh, with the country's infrastructure and 
our, our roads and our houses and our buildings and our bridges and everything's going to be falling apart. No one knows how to repair these things mm-hmm. or maintain them. So uh, I was just wondering what your thoughts were on the blue, co- you know, blue collar industries on a whole and what you see. Yeah, I, I think in, in a lot of what I hear today is, well, kids don't want to work anymore. You know, people don't want to work. I, I don't think that's necessarily true. However, I just don't think that they're qualified or they have the skills to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I look at my kids that are teenagers, if they don't know how to do something, they're, they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. It's not because they're necessarily lazy, but um, you know, since the institution of No Child Left Behind in the 80s, that's all we've done is, is push in the direction of everybody needs to go to college. Um, so that's the direction everybody's taken in the last 30 years. Um, but now you've got everybody going to college and nobody necessarily going into college for, um, you know, skilled labor force, right? A mechanical engineer is the gauntlet of, of anything. Um, but that can mean so many different things. You don't mm-hmm. have anyone specifically looking to be certified as a plumber or an electrician. Um, so, or, or, you know, wood crafting. So when, when, you don't have that. You have you know, 25, 30 years of, of nobody really entering that field or a very small percentage of people entering mm-hmm. that field. This, this is the result where we are right now is you don't have anyone who with the skills to continue on. You know, that's why you're, you know, you're, your mechanic is you know, 60 some years old. Right, and you can't find anybody else to go to, or you're going to right. a dealership, and you got a you know 23 year old technician, you know on his phone. Um, so I, I, this this is where we're at. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a tough state of things. Like it's we again, I just everywhere I look, and or like we were talking about before, if I'm trying to find some someone to help me with something at the farm or anywhere else, really. But it's just it's hard to find people. It's uh, yeah. I mean, when I was in school, you had programs, whether it was through BOCES program or secondary education um, and, and all these other programs that were an alternative to school, right? Mm-hmm. So you already had this, This um, uh, now I guess we see it as a misconception that this individual isn't ready to continue on for school or isn't going in that path, so we'll give them this alternative. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in my opinion, wasn't seen as something that was valued. Uh, a trade wasn't uh, looked at as equally as someone who would be certified as an educator um, or a doctor or anything like that. You know, um, so I think there's still a little hint of that, um, but now everyone's starting to see labor rates increase, um, and that has to do with demand, has to mm-hmm. do with materials, has to do with everything. So, well, yeah, I mean, look at you know, look at what a crane operator makes. And sure, you know what I mean. Like those guys are making hundreds of thousands of dollars, some of them, and uh, you know, or look at the you know welders and plumbers and contractors. And I and we, it's it's interesting you say that too because uh, Derek and I talked about it a little bit. I have a, a client who is um, he's a blue collar guy, but he does not like the term blue collar. He, like I mentioned it to him, and he was like, "Don't use that term." He's like, "It's the middle label, the middle labor market. That's what you call it. Don't call it blue collar." Because he grew up where blue collar and the term blue collar was not used. Just like you were talking about, with like it wasn't looked at favorably to go to Bosey's and to be doing the woodworking or whatever it was that you're doing at Bosey's. Like it was just it wasn't you know it wasn't like getting a Regents diploma, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And 
un- unfairly, I think, you know, like I, there's, again, like we talked about earlier, like I think there's a lot of ways to get an education. College is one of them. Trade school is another one of them. Sure. Right? Absolutely. Uh, an apprenticeship, that's another way to get an education, you know, and, and uh, but to him, it was just, he grew up in a time when being blue collar was frowned upon and, um, and the term was like a derogatory term. So it's just interesting yeah. that you say that. Yeah. Yeah. And the BOCES programs, which are, I think, invaluable. I like the, everybody learns differently. And I, I just, I always felt that like when I was growing up and kids that were going to BOCES, like the kids that were going to BOCES, cause they just, they didn't learn well sitting in a classroom, reading from a textbook and looking at a chalkboard. They wanted to learn with their hands and they wanted to learn visually and doing things. And, uh, I think it's important. I got one of my kids now goes to BOCES. Thank God. Right. You know, because she's just not a, not a, a person that learns very well from a textbook or in the classroom scenario. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder, you know, when I was a kid growing up in the 80s and the 90s, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think the idea of blue collar, white collar, the, the biggest separation was money, right? Sure. So going to college equaled success and financial freedom. Yeah. Um, which we now know is not, not really true. Well, it's, and, and maybe it... Maybe it was at one point in time for a short amount of time, but now we know that if you go to college, you're spending tens of thousands, if not over $100,000 on your education, and you may not get a job when you get out. Right. You may be waiting tables, sure. <laughs> you know? And whereas if you go into a trade school right now and you spend six months, maybe two years at a trade school and you're coming out, like some of these guys are making 80, 90 bucks an hour, $100,000 a year, right? you know? I mean, it's... I just, I feel like the, it's really, a lot's changed. Oh yeah, the, the scales have tipped a little mm-hmm. bit. And so, again, some of that has driven by, there's there's just not as many skilled laborers. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the you have to pay more to find someone who's qualified or skilled. Um, you know, you have a lot of big companies, they're, they're not always necessarily interested in training somebody or giving them time to grow. They need someone who's qualified and do a job, job now. Um, but that's that's kind of uh, that's kind of how we are as a society right now, right? We want everything right now, right? right? So everything's got to get done. Yeah. Don't make me wait for it. Don't make me earn it. Yeah, and that's not even the workforce, right? We see that in sports all yeah. the time. If you're not winning, you're 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 cut. You know. Uh, so let's. Uh, so uh, you kind of switch gears a little bit. You know, uh, looking back at and you said you've been you've been doing what you've been doing thirteen years. Thirteen years, yeah. Looking at looking back at the last thirteen years, uh, anything you do differently? I mean, there's always start that. earlier. Yeah, <laughs> uh, make I, the jump earlier. I, you mean? Like, yeah, I think so. Uh, I I think so. Although I don't know if I would acquired uh, all the skill set that I have as far as comfort with people, uh, communications. You know, without all of that through education, administration, and, and meeting all the people that I've met. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd be where I am if I didn't go through that. Um, and, and, you know, you have these lulls in, in the time period where, you know, everybody is looking for a job seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I may not have had the success then as I'm having now. So I, I, I don't know, but I would say... I would I would have liked to have started earlier. Okay, that's fair. It's you know like I said it's scary. <laughs> it, it is yeah. Uh, and how about uh, you know when you look at your day to day? Any anything you have any crazy morning routine? You have anything that you you kind of do every day that helps you 
get ready or get through the day or you mean like wake up and you know smack myself around yeah, yeah, yeah you do, 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 do 100 push-ups yeah no, I, don't, I don't do it you know lately it's been taking all my kids to school in the morning all right that's <laughs> fair so and, and the reason for that is to um, to motivate me to to you know to stay on stay on task um Really, it's to help my wife out, right? My wife is, she works from home. Uh, she's been doing that for, geez, I think eight years now. Um, so we're, we're pretty fortunate and pretty lucky uh, to, to be in the position that, that we are. Her working from home and me working so close. I mean, mm-hmm. for 13 years, I worked seven-tenths of a mile from my, from my home. Um, so as far as my daily routines, though... Uh, no, I mean, I'm at work every day, same time, and um, no, I don't have anything good for that. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> not, not, nothing crazy, right? I don't have any weird rituals. I was asking Darren, like, you drink any weird coffee? Yeah, oh, co- coffee is a money. You know, the, I, I make the joke um, when I when I drop my kids off at at uh, the elementary school, although they're they're not in elementary school anymore, but I'd see my my old colleagues, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go sit in my booth at Stewart's, drink my coffee. They're Are you like, a Stewart's oh, guy? Uh, I, I've grown to be a Stewart's guy. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know what it is. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't have my own booth, like my name on green yeah. on it or anything like that. I don't sit down. Uh, but it was fun to to make to let them know because they're out. One of my friends is a crossing guard, my old colleagues. And um, so I was, that's, that was my joke. It's like, oh, I'm going to go sit at Stewart's and, you know, talk to Ralph for four hours before I got to go to work. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, oh, it must be nice living the dream. Um, so I, you know, bust on him a little bit. So, yeah, you're living the dream, too. You work 180 days a year. That's it. <laughs> That's not bad either. Uh, sorry for my educators. No, that's, uh, I know how hard they work. They do work hard. They work. They earn. They deserve every penny they get, our teachers. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So in the conversation I have my children all the time is, is – we need to do a better job as society to see the value in what everyone does, right? We're so quick to critique people or, you know, they don't do this or they don't do that. We don't know what people do every day, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so take the time to appreciate what other people do, um, whether it's, you know, my client and they're having a tough day or, um, you know, your co- your, my former coworkers, um, you know, which I still stay in contact with, with a few of them. That's nice. Yeah, and I agree, man. I, especially, you know, when we look at our, our teachers and, you know, all these people that are trying to educate our kids for us mm-hmm. and uh, or with us the way it really works these days. And, uh, you know, they just, a lot of pressure. I, you know, I was just having a conversation with someone or maybe it was, we were talking about earlier that, uh, you know, teachers, I feel like they're kind of on an island these days all by themselves because they're getting pressure from the state and from administration coming down on them, you got to do these things and Mm -hmm. then they get pressure coming at them from parents and it's just, it's a lot of, a lot of stuff. And these guys don't get paid, you know, zillions of dollars a year to deal with all that and to help make, educate the youth of tomorrow, you know, it's. And they're a certified professional. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, they go to a lot of, good amount of school. Which I, I, I chuckle when I say, uh, you know, you know, parents were coming at them and stuff like that. Do you remember when COVID started, right? Everybody had the Facebook comments and posts. Oh, we appreciate teachers so much. We didn't yeah. realize how hard your work is. How how fast has that changed, right? Everyone's back in school. And, yeah. well, my child, you know, they should have an exemption for this and blah, blah, blah. So it's uh, just, just be mindful that, 
Yeah, they're they're they work hard. They're people too. They make mistakes. Um, yeah, I agree. We gotta take it easy on them. <laughs> <laughs> and thank them. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. educators. Thank you. Uh, all right, last question. What if someone was thinking about? either starting a side hustle in the blue collar industry or leaving their full-time job to go on their own, or maybe they're just sitting around trying to figure out if they're going to go to college or go to trade school. What, what advice would you give someone that's considering a blue collar life, let's say? Well, there's a couple things you need to consider. Um, first and foremost, that, that you need to know that trade school is an option and at this time that it's it's a great option you know there there it's very uh, likely that if you were to go into a trade and whether you acquire a skill or you become certified in something that um, you know you'll, you'll acquire a position and you could have a very comfortable and good life um, if you're looking to start your own business um, you need to be intelligent about how you're starting and with your finances, right? So you, um, a lot of people that I know have, have tried to start their business and they've ended up using it as like their own little personal piggy bank. And uh, it, it's, you need to treat it like a business. So, um, and I, I think one of the things that is easily overlooked is you, you need to be motivated every day and you need to have that internal motivation Right, because there's not always going to be somebody there um, telling you you need to go to work today, or you need to, uh, you know, you need to find your next job. You you have to do that on your own. And when you're, uh, this is very important. If you're your own business or your own uh, or you're self-employed, um, nobody's going to do it for you, and you're going to work harder than anybody else. Um, in fact, the the harder you work, the more successful you're going to be. I keep hearing that. Yeah, that's what they say, yeah. That's Easier said than done, right? <laughs> Work hard, you will yeah, be successful. You're going to do a lot of things that um, that are going to be behind the scenes. People aren't going to see it. Um, you know, we, we talked earlier, right? Mm -hmm. The people, what they don't see that I do is I'm looking at jobs on Sunday. I'm writing es this week. I've written an estimate every single night right up till 10 o'clock. Um, and that's after family time and sports mm -hmm. and, and all that stuff. Those are things that you have to do. Um, and Yeah, you don't ever go home. That's why I'm like, you know, like when some people have jobs and they get to punch out and they get to go home. And when you own your own business, you don't really ever get to go home. Because when you, you go home, like you said, I'm, I'm waiting for my kids to go to bed at 8, 8.30. And I'm either at the table or on my couch. And I got my laptop and I'm doing proposals and I'm catching up on emails and... It, yeah, it never, it never really stops. Yeah, so you, you can't be lacking uh, mental toughness either. You know what I mean? Because there, there's, it, it's going to be kind of a grind until you get into uh, the groove of things of, of, you know, how do you create your estimates? Because I itemize everything. Mm -hmm. Mine's not even generic. So I list every product that I have to buy yeah. and then the cost of that product. So it can be a bit meticulous, but it's very time-consuming. Um, and, I mean, unfortunately, I give free estimates too. <laughs> so... Um, you know, listen, I gotta, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, a guy that I know, and, uh, and I won't say the name of his company because I don't have permission to, but uh, him and I went to this sales training thing together years and years ago, right? Probably 12 years ago. And when we got done, I asked him, I was like, you know, what was the most 
impactful thing that you took away from this sales training. And he said, you know, the most impactful thing is I, I'm now charging for my, my proposals, my estimates. He's like, none of my competitors do. He builds homes. Mm-hmm. He's like, not any of them charge for their proposals. He's like, and you know how, many, how much time yeah, I put into building a time. proposal? He goes, so now I charge 250 bucks. Yeah. It's not nearly enough money for the proposal for the amount of time that he puts into it. But he's like, but I charge 250 bucks. He's like, and you know, if anything that's got, I, that's, I apply that 250 towards the job if they say yes. Mm-hmm. If they say no, then I just, I got paid to do, at least do the work. And I'm giving them basically a bunch of research that I did on their house and what needs right. to be done. He's like, and I feel good about it. And I, you know, he's like, it really just, it's gotten rid of the tire kickers. And sure. I thought, cause back, you know, again, this is 10, 12 years ago, back then there was a lot of tire kickers. Now people are lucky to find a contractor, right. <laughs> you know? So, right. but, uh, but interesting. He said that, yeah, there, it's a lot of work and a meticulous proposal means a meticulous contractor. And I would imagine that's what, I know that's what I want in a contractor. I, <laughs> it's attention you, to detail, I think, right? Again, you have to be it because it boils down to my reputation. Yeah. Right. So if I do a crappy job, not only it, it, it only takes one bad job to wipe out 10 good ones. Yeah. So, um, I just, I don't have the luxury, nor, nor would I want that. I wouldn't mm-hmm. want anyone to say, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hire con- cam and gate contracting that, you know, they did a horrible job. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that goes along that if you make a mistake, you got to fix it too and correct it. And, uh, you know, I tell my wife every day I'm wrong or I, or I make a mistake. Yeah. So, um, you know, you have to, sometimes you got to own up to it and then just fix it. That, that's, that's it. Well, listen, uh, I won't keep you any longer. You've been here long enough, but I really appreciate you taking the time to come and hang out with us and talk and uh, tell our listeners about you and your business and your story and everything you got going on. And uh, again, just really grateful to have you here. Yeah, it takes a lot. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I wish uh, anyone who's thinking or interested in starting their own business, um, now's the time. Uh, be smart about it and uh, make sure you can produce a product or you have a skill or a quality that people want. That's perfect. Thanks, man. And thank you for listening, and we will uh, see you here. You'll hear from us next week.